is out there operating without any decent restraint, totally beyond the pain of any acceptable human conduct. Charging a man with murder in this place was like handing out speeding tickets at the Indy 500. Welcome to another edition of Speaking Out America. I'm your host, Jim Watkins. Thank you. We've got a very, very busy show. There's my tribute to Francis Ford Coppola. I'd like to play that once in a while, you know. Takes me back to my youth, back in the day when I was uh, in broadcast school, hanging out with my buddies from high school, and things were just getting exciting in life. And it was L.A., the beginning of the new wave, and all that weird music that came out that just revolutionized everything. It was an exciting time. And in the midst of all that, there was a man on the radio, and I'll never forget his name, because we would listen to him at night, and he was introducing us to uh, all this incredible music, that was coming out the wall, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin. I mean, there was just just such incredible music. And the guy that kind of tied it all together for us was a guy by the name of Jim Ladd. And Jim Ladd worked not only at one of the greatest rock and roll radio stations in L.A., KMET, but then later KLOS. And KLOS is where I would enjoy listening to him at night. He came on at 10 o'clock. You never knew what he was going to be doing, but he was always going to be stringing together a bunch of music. He had these theme sets that would just blow your mind. And uh, I remember listening to the Roger Waters interview when The Wall first came out in 1979. And Jim Ladd passed away. He was 75 years old. Tom Petty wrote a song about him called The Last DJ. And Jim Ladd, fortunately, uh, made the transition and he uh, lived out the rest of his life over the airways of Sirius XM. And I still listen to him. High atop the hills. And, uh, you know, we gotta, we got to give ourselves pats on the back in the media. Who else is going to do it? Media is changing right now. Media is completely like everything else. It's going through a weird transition. But Jim Ladd is part of that earlier group. Now, I got inspired to get into broadcasting because of Jim. I never had the opportunity to meet him. I don't think I ever had an opportunity to meet him. I knew a lot of people that he worked with. And they all told me he was a pretty good guy. So he was 75. He had a heart attack. And uh, we're, we'll miss him. He was definitely an, an influential member of those days of FM rock. And s- such a short life, too, 75. So anyway, I just wanted to pass that along. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to interview a woman who I ran into, sort of happenstance, She's a playwright, author, performer, just an all-around interesting gal. Spent a lot of her time in Hawaii, body surfing, hitchhiking around the islands. And uh, she has a lot of influential contacts within the industry, the music industry, the movie industry. And we caught up on the phone yesterday. Uh, Her name is Eileen Salverson. And boy, when you hear her, well, we'll listen to her. She's got, she published an article that comes up with a solution, a viable solution for solving the Israeli-Hamas conflict. And we'll talk to her in a little bit here on Speaking Out America. Also, Lee Williams will be coming up. They're coming to take your guns. Man, they're really ramping it up, aren't they? So we'll talk to Lee Williams from Gun Owners of America and the second Amendment Foundation. And now all of a sudden we're hearing that Texas is arresting illegals. Uh, Governor Abbott said 
okay, enough is enough. We're going to start arresting these people. I thought all border states arrested illegal immigrants. When did that change? When did we suddenly not care that people could just walk into this country, get a little check, paycheck, get relocated? I'm, I'm confused. When, when did we just throw up? I, I know I'm being facetious here about this. But it just seems to me that something changed and we're not living in reality because it used to be against the law to come across the border. And now with this president, I don't know what to think anymore. Does he not know that he has created this problem that's going to affect probably every human being in this country? Does Joe Biden not understand that there's such a huge criminal element? Did he not see Scarface? I mean, I'm just curious. Has anybody ever asked, hey, uh, Joe, you want to go watch Al Pacino in a great movie made out in the 70s about what happens to a city when it gets overrun by uh, immigrants, prisoners from Cuba, cartel members coming through the border, Chinese nationals, people from Euritania coming in, Nigeria, all these Haitians coming in. And many times these people are being flown in from the Open Door Foundation, George Soros, Alex, who uh, seemed to be the, uh, the, you know what? I got a new name for George Soros. He's the the Sikh. Remember uh, in uh, the Sith? No, I'm sorry, the Sith. He's the revenge of the Sith from episode two. He causes mayhem. He is Lucifer. I I, I actually believe that. Well, let me let me put it in this way: If Lucifer could inhabit the body and mind of a human being and set about to destroy everything that Jesus tried to establish. That would be George Soros. George Soros, just as a side note, he was a young man in Hungary. And he might have been 10, 11 years old. And it was during the period when the Nazis were occupying Hungary. And were it not for uh, a friend of George Soros's father, I believe, who took him under his wing when the Nazis were going through all the different small towns and you know, rounding up all the Jews, the Hungarian Jews. And were it not for a friendly German man who took George Soros under his wing, George would have ended up in a concentration camp and he probably would have died. And that's a darn shame that it didn't turn out that way, really. I'm really sorry. If there was one man on this planet, you know, you think about that. People have asked this question. If, if, If somebody had taken a bullet to Adolf Hitler, think about all the lives he would have saved. You know what I'm saying? In other words, how, how come morally we're not allowed to do that? If we know that somebody is is going to wreak havoc upon a society, as in the case of George Soros, then isn't it in society's best interest to make sure that that person doesn't do any harm? And yet here's George Soros taking all the money that he made off of uh, disrupting economies, including England, uh, and he funnels all this money around and gets all these people to get instated like Gascon out in L.A. as a district attorney and uh, London Breed and all these people that are su- uh, supported by the Soros Open Door Foundation. And he turns around and screws society. He doesn't care about the integrity of America. He wants America to go down. He hates America. 
When when was the last time he did an interview and said, you know, I really love America, and I'm really, I'm really, I'm going to work hard for this country. Oh, no, 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 no. They'd rather go after uh, Trump for saying that we have too much immigration, that the blood is being mixed, and that's an offensive statement because you can't mention blood. Oh, my God, that reminds me of another guy. What about George Soros? How is it that all these leftists who lo- who hate Hitler and bring out his name all the time when they're referring to Trump, yet they embrace Soros? Soros is worse than Trump. Soros gets people killed. How do you think all the drugs are getting into this country? Who do you think sets up, sets up all the bricks and coordinates all of these riots across America, the smashing grabs? You can direct all of that back to a man who lives in New York. For some reason, he's allowed to live in this country, and yet he sows disaster everywhere he goes. He's a pig. He has no soul. He doesn't care. He's, he's gone on 60 Minutes and says, I don't care. I don't care. I'm about making money. That's what it's about. If I can make money in an opportunity, if there's blood in the streets, buy real estate. That's a quote, by the way, from Inside Man. I believe they probably quoted Soros on that. When there's blood in the streets, make money, sell real estate, buy real estate. And that's what he does. He destabilizes and then he goes in and he makes money through hedging. I, I, don't, I don't know. He votes against the system. Do your research. But I can tell you that Soros is a bad man and he has to be held account. Just like a lot of these people have to be held account. Hunter Biden has to be held account. He plays victim, yet he was the one going out profiting off his old man, selling influence. I wonder, I, I just want to know one thing from Biden. What did you do for the money? Who did you sell out? What promises did you make? And what promises did you deliver? Why exactly were you selling out your American citizens? What were you doing for a buck? That's all I want to know. Just what were you doing for a buck? Instead of walking around like you've got a piece of poop up and you can't do anything about it, so you walk with a little bit of a limp because that's probably what happened. I mean, I just, I, I'm sick of this. We have the most mundane leadership, and this is supposedly the free world. This is supposedly the free world, and it's being run by Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo is running the United States of America, and, and not far behind him is olive oil, uh, who, who couldn't find her way out of a paper bag, literally. So there you have it. We live in a a bizarro world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, coming up, we're going to talk to Lee Williams. They're coming to take your guns. And then a little bit later on, a woman who's going to blow you away with her insight and intellect, Eileen Salverson, playwright, joining us here. On Speaking Out America, Jim Watkins, this program is brought to you by GetTheTea.com. What do you mean you haven't gone to the website yet? GetTheTea.com. We'll be right back. I mean, Soros actually, you know, he he is, I believe, the top contributor to the Democratic Party. He had a very difficult upbringing. In my opinion, he fundamentally hates humanity. Well, he's doing things that erode the fabric of civilization. You know, uh, getting DAs elected who refuse to prosecute crime. That's part of the problem in San Francisco and L.A. and much other cities. So why would you do that?
Welcome back to Speaking Out America. Happy to have on Lee Williams, of course. From the Second Amendment Foundation, something kind of strange is going on brewing out on the left coast. Let's bring in Lee Williams from the Second Amendment Foundation. What's going on out there? We've got to talk about California DOJ's new, quote unquote, emergency regulations on concealed carry. Let's talk about it. What's going on out there? Okay. Well, California's DOJ recently announced some emergency regulations that pertain to concealed carry. What this does, it's designed to restrict the number of instructors that are available. It's designed to reduce the number of instructors that are available to teach the required courses for people to get a permit to carry. I know that sounds stupid, but that is exactly what they're doing. So they're just slowing it's down almost, the licensing process, right? The regulatory process. Yes. So that statewide. It, you know, they're always trying uh, to come up with something, whether it's increasing the the price of bullets, you know, abandoning certain things that you need, uh, and now this taxes, taxes, anything they can. Taxes. So now they want to well, throttle people who need to get certified in order to. Is that the way it is in California? You need to get certified before uh, you have to. Yeah, you have to pass a course. Among those who are not accepted, among the instructors who are not accepted under this new, it's an emergency gym, emergency regulation, are <laughs> instructors certified by the National Rifle Association. Now, back in the day, I was certified as a law enforcement instructor by NRA, and I got to tell you, it is. It was a two-week course that kicked my butt. I mean, you had to be such, not only did you have to be a tremendous shot, you had to be a tremendous teacher, okay? Um, it was it was probably some of the best firearms instruction from a training standpoint that I've ever had. A lot of NRA's dogma is really old and needs to be updated and should should be updated hopefully soon when, when the organization makes a few changes. But at the base level, it's fantastic instruction. I have nothing but respect for NRA certified instructors. But now they're they're ruling them all out. So to become the only to te- to be able to teach these mandatory courses that are required to get a CCW license in permit in California, you have to either be a Bureau of Security and Investigative Services state certified instructor. You have to be on the Commission of Peace Officer Standards and Training. That's their post instructor. Or you have to be uh, receive authorization from a state of California accredited school to teach firearm training courses. Now, if you added all those up right now and compared them to the number of NRA certified instructors out there, you're probably talking 95% to 5%. Because everybody gets certified by the NRA because they've been doing it forever. Yeah. So, as you can imagine, uh, California Rifle and Pistol, which is the biggest and loudest pro-gun voice out there, they're furious, as they should be, and I'm sure litigation will result. But here's the best part. After they propose these emergency regulations uh, on the 8th of this month, they allowed only five days for public reaction. Really? Boy, five they wanted days. to get this through. I mean, it, what was, yeah. What was the, the emergency? Even the Sacramento... Well, you know, gun violence, blah, 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 fill in emergency du jour. Even the Sacramento Bee, which is not the most right-wing of newspapers, 
said, and I quote, in addition, last minute emergency regulations filed by the California Department of Justice will force many instructors to be recertified sometime in 2024, thus delaying the new application process. I mean, this is evil genius type crap. Whoever came up with this idea is truly an evil genius. Well, I they, mean, the, yeah. the time requirements, mm -hmm. it's going to cost these instructors more money to get recertified. I mean, and some of these NRA guys, I mean, you're, you're, they've been teaching people for decades. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they have to. So from a real life term, uh, if you're a person in California that wants to get a gun and you want to have it with you because you live in maybe a high crime area, who knows? How long with these new regulations, how long was this process going to take the average person in your estimation? Before these new emergency regulations, you're looking at a minimum of six months and a lot of money and a lot of time. That's before the regulations. Now, so are you saying it could take more than six months, maybe even up to a year? Oh, Just to, I don't know how you can find an instructor. And, I don't and, know how you how yeah. you will be able to find an instructor who can who can teach you the the, the required courses. I don't know if that's even possible. And you can't go out of state and then come back. You have to be certified no. in the state of California. Yeah, remember, California is its own entity, for lack of a uh, word that uh, the FCC won't allow me to use. Yeah. So that yeah, they don't they don't have reciprocity with anybody. So what they've done is basically put the entire CCW process on hold. Now, of course, there are a few gun pro-gun organizations who are not going to like this or going to file suit. But here we here we go again with this lawfare. That's going to take our money, our time, and it will further delay the process. They'll get overturned. But this is this is the probably the premier the premier example of these post-Bruin tantrum laws, and it's sick. And they know this is they know this is unconstitutional, but they don't care because that's all part of their, their lawfare game. Make us spend our time and our money overturning a law that never should have been signed into law to begin with. You know, California is one of the highest crime states right now, and it's only going to get worse with this unfettered southern border access. They're just coming in. I mean, it's like watching oh, yeah. a truckload. And many of these people that are coming in are, are from cartels. They're here to, to do no good. And you can see the crimes going up. Uh, everywhere and it's going to continue and now at this crucial time the state of california is saying we don't want you as a citizen of this state to be able to protect yourself uh it's so egregious and a, and a clear violation of our of the intent of our second amendment right so lee once I again a, i'm shocked i know i have a close family member who lives in an affluent suburb of la where there should be no crime and uh, they just installed kill switches on their vehicles because five or six of their neighbors have had their vehicles stolen right from their driveway or their garage. I mean, crime is yeah. everywhere. There is no safe place now in California. Yeah, there used to be pockets like Beverly Hills, uh, Bel Air, maybe if you got to Santa Monica, you know, those were like Brentwood. safety zones. Brentwood, yeah, all along the Sunset Drive corridor to uh, Malibu, but not anymore. Now you, they're coming out of the woods. They're coming out of the cities. And they've become so much more brazen, too, because they know that the DA, the district attorney, the police are going to go soft on anything under a thousand bucks. So 
But hey, look, you know, we reap what we sow. Lee Williams is the uh, Second Amendment Foundation's investigative reporting project manager and a frequent a frequent computer, uh, contributor to Ammo Land News and Armed America Radio, which we absolutely love with Mark Walters in that group. So, Lee, always thank you for bringing us up to date. We'll re- rejoin, regroup after the first of the year, perhaps. And all I can say is thank you very much for what you do. Thank you, Jim. Have a great New Year and a Merry Christmas. Shocking, but not surprising. Lee Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up, my conversation with Eileen Shalverson, a woman who has a solution to the conflict in the Middle East. Stay tuned. Welcome to Speaking Out America. I'm honored to have Eileen Shavelson on with us. She's a writer. Uh, she has a controversial position that now people are starting to recognize as more validity than people thought. Everybody talking about the two-state solution in Gaza and, and the Israeli conflict and the pressure coming from everywhere. But Eileen Shevelson, Healing Israel with Dolphin Medicine, the Red Sea Sinai Solution. The solution to this has been under our nose the entire time. But the Egyptians early on took a position that they didn't want to take any more Palestinians in. So tell me your solution. Well, that particular story was written for healing for the the children of Israel and for their trauma. And I wanted to have something magical and mystical that kind of used the biblical stories and turned things around. And um, and also from an animal point of view, because mm-hmm. the Arabs have de- not only denatured their countries, but they also are not very good to their animals. And all of those rockets that come in disrupt their natural habitat. I thought this is the way to circumvent all of the politics and just talk about the impact of the land the animals, and the children. Mm-hmm. I used to be a psychotherapist. This is the pers- the perspective I came from. So, uh, but the Sinai was not required to be given back to Egypt, and they did in uh, this uh, 73 war, the six-day war. And the Sinai is the obvious place, but nobody really wants Palestinians because 75% of them are Hamas. Mm -hmm. And the children have already been poisoned with that information that, you know, they hate Jews and not pay attention. But the reality is it's an inconvenient problem for all of the Arab countries, which need to catch up. You know, they are they're living in a world that is not democratic, to say the least, and not equitable for women or animals or you name it. And I think Americans need to, you know, the oil, the, you know, whatever block that they've had in terms of um, taking over uh, all of all of the institutions, the, the uh, colleges, all the money they're throwing around. Everybody's stymied by that. But, you know, Egypt, I understand that they don't want to keep them, but they have to at least take them now while they're displaced. And the idea that they're coming back is insane. Um, if you have all these IEDs and all, uh, the seawater is just one of the many things, it's not. It's, it needs to lie fallow for 20 years, or and that, I have a whole other reason for that. But um, it needs to be just mowed down and left, 
and let everything organically come back to life. And there's absolutely no way that they can have anybody there. And the talk about the PA and all of that stuff is nonsense. So the Sinai is the obvious solution in that it is at least for temporary. Too bad for Egypt. Egypt was getting a lot of money. And really, when you think about it, the tunnels coming from Rafa, who brought stuff in? It came from Egypt. Egypt, you know, all, all, supposedly they were saying, oh, it, the October 7th, you know, we gave them a few days notice. They should have been noticing the whole time. And really, those tunnels have been there for over 2,000 years, 320 BC, I believe. And you kind of wonder if Egypt wanted to bring the Jews back, you know, and recapture them and use them as hostages thousands of years ago, you know, or whoever was running the show. Yeah. So really, there's an absolute every tunnel has to be destroyed and you can't do that with people in the way yeah. and all this complaining and it's it's really absolutely embarrassing and disgusting coming from the state department the double talk from the state department the double talk from the presidency the vice president all of this stuff about the gazans you know every and that's the biggest the myth of the entire palestinian state which has never been and will never be it's a fallacy and it's kept to it's been kept to keep the jews in control you know to keep the conflict going and none of that is going to work the same thing with the west bank and jordan they're going to have to take them in mostly because without the tourist industry happening they're not going to have any money there's no economy for either group the economy in gaza was based on terrorism and and weapons and uh, Jordan has got to have to, you know, <clears throat> and the West Bank has been some of them people coming in to work at Israel, but that's not safe anymore. Right. You know, the workers are the ones who collected the data to go to the to the kibbutzes and kill people in, in the Gaza envelope. This is not acceptable. And the, the other part is a lot of the Kapo Jews, <laughs> the trader Jews <laughs> that just you know, surrender, they're making it just as difficult and they're in denial and they're basically just doormats. Mm -hmm. They're not standing up for each other. And Jews need to say, look, the world is not going to tell us what to do in our own country anymore. And until that is the underlying psychological issue at hand. And so I put that Sinai solution just to get the word. Why is it such a controversial thing? to suggest something other than the two-state solution, which, based on everything that you've just said, is so unfeasible. So what's so controversial about taking a large swath of land that, to me, at least looks like there's a little bit more elbow room than, as opposed to making them the next group of uh, asylum seekers where they get planted all over the world? We're going to be exporting Hamas to the rest of the world here. Let's face it. Are they voting for Israel and the U.N.? No, they're not. And, you know, the the picture of the, the guys in the underwear, you know, the mm-hmm. surrendered people. Right. Two of them, one of them was an UNRWA worker and the other one was a UN worker. Right. They are Hamas. They are indoctrinating these people worldwide. The UN needs to have their plug pulled. UNRWA needs to have their plug pulled. They're, this is the first time since 1948 that the so-called Palestinians, the Palestinians, they, this is the first time that they have to, they're actually refugees. Yeah. Because by definition, refugees, one generation, they were never resettled. 
this is what has to happen. But sending to the Arab countries is really what has to happen. But that's up to Egypt. Egypt has to take them in. They're right there. Otherwise, look who's they're going to die right in front of Egypt. What is that going to solve? Nothing. Nothing. And Ego and Clinton and Obama and everybody, they're all anti-Semitic. And this has been going on. This is unbelievable. What is the issue here? Is this because Palestinians are people of color? And so that's that's the designated uh, victim group in the world today, people of color. And so is that what this is all about? It's been going on for a long time, so it's hard to pinpoint, but that's definitely an issue. And definitely Black Lives Matter has jumped on the bandwagon against it. And we 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 marched with them. You know, we helped them in, in their own struggle, and now we're not getting any backup. So that's a, definitely a problem because in their charter, they're anti-Israel. You know, it's really everything is written really clearly and you've got blinders on and issues. And because it's all jealousy. I had a talk with Len um, the day after my mother died and I was alarmed about the uh, um, the anti-Semitism. And yeah. this is my mother died in 2016. And he said, oh, it comes around, you know, don't worry, it'll it's a cycle. And no. That's obviously not what happened. And most of my family is, they've been in denial. I think some of them may have woken up to October 7th. I, but I am connected and I felt compelled to be the one to go to the Writers Guild and say, you're the only union that's not um, condemning Hamas. You need to, you know, you're by omission, you're, you're supporting terrorism. And I went to the Writers Guild and I said, look, the, the DEI is keeping my projects from going. Can you please get rid of that too? And I've gotten, they, you know, oh, we'll get back to you. And then they don't, they don't have an answer because it's all, racism and discrimination as uh, DeSantis. No, people don't put the dots together. And again, it's all the denial of what you have to confront with the Arab bloc, the Mm. Arab bloc at the UN, the Arab bloc in, you know, why do we have Sharia law schools in America? It's unbelievable. uh, Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And and unfortunately our time is short, but uh, uh, if we go on Amazon, we can find it. It's called Healing Israel with uh, Dolphin Medicine, the Red Sea Sinai Solution. The whole concept of Palestinianism is was created as an antithesis. Eileen Chalvison, ladies and gentlemen. Jim Watkins here speaking out. We'll continue in just a moment. Hang on to your hats.